You've been through pre-Cana, maybe you've even said I do. And now what? Welcome to After Cana, a podcast for young couples looking to make it until death do they part. In each episode, we'll share sage wisdom and practical advice from couples who've been married for 20 plus years. And today I have the DeWitts with me. Um, hi guys, how's it going? Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Um, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourselves and saying a little bit about you, where you're from, and all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, my name is Conan DeWitt, and uh, I live with Angela and our seven children in Egan, Minnesota. Awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm Angela, and um, I grew up here in St. Paul, Minnesota, and Conan and I met in college, and um, have had a couple of moves to different states before we landed back in Minnesota, but we're really happy to raise, be raising our family here. That's awesome. I'm also one of seven kids, so that's great. Love to hear the, the magic number seven. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, how long have you guys been married? We've been married 23 years this past May. Wow, congratulations. That's awesome. Um, so how about you just go into your kind of meat story? Um, you said you met at college. What was that all like? Take me through it. Yeah, we, uh, so we met at college at the University of Missouri. Uh, I was living on the third floor of Mark Twain dorm and you were living on the second floor. Yeah. Uh, there was a Bible study that we were both, uh, involved in. And I believe that was the first way we met was through that. And uh, so we dated for <clears throat> the rest of our college years, right? And yeah, we, we started dating, uh, he's a year older than me. We started dating at the end of my freshman year, the end of your sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And then we got engaged the summer between our junior and senior year, your, your fifth year. And then <laughs> we got married three years, I mean, three weeks after we graduated. Um, so far. So, yeah. Um, and that was kind of, what all of our, a lot of our peers were in that same situation. Um, so um, it seemed really normal at the time. And since then we've met a lot of people like, wow, that's really crazy to get married right out of college like that. But I think it just depends on your peer group. Probably it was really normal in our so social circles. Yeah, I did the same thing. So I can't yeah. believe <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Um, so what was, what was like your early dating like? Um, what like maybe you could go through like your first date or the first little bit um how that how it all started yeah i don't know Our if i remember first date was a a formal oh that's right yes um, okay. so, <laughs> there's lots of formals and um you invited me to a formal that's right. um and we went with one of your roommates who was also involved in the same um Christian student organization that we were a part of and his state. Um, and so the four and of us- The most important part of that story <laughs> is that uh, you were, forgot to tell me that we were going just as friends. And so, cause I <laughs> it would never have been a second date had she told me that, but she forgot. And so after our yeah. first date, which went successfully, yeah, yeah, there was another one. The second so. date we went to, um, the second date we went to a Mizzou baseball game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think um, dating in a real college town was, I mean, most of our dates were like um, walks around campus, maybe going to the frozen yogurt shop. I mean, 
we were poor college students, so we didn't really do anything right. that exciting. Um, because it was a college town, you could walk everywhere. So there's lots of yeah. places to just go and spend time together that mm -hmm. uh, didn't require infrastructure. So yeah, yeah, I'd say that was. I mean, we went to like some football games, basketball games, baseball games, just you know things on campus, um, and we had a lot of the same friend network because we were both involved in this the same student organization so we were um we often were doing things as a big group like yeah. i should remember doing things like going ice skating and um stuff like that so um yeah it was uh it was remarkably easy to date in college compared to what i see my young friends doing in their late 20s and early 30s now where mm -hmm. it seems so much more complicated it was just I don't know, very simple. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it really is a lot harder after you leave that tight-knit community. Um, I, yeah, I feel like my husband and I had kind of a similar experience at the University of Dallas. Just everyone's very supportive. Everyone's, you know, hanging out all the time. Um, but yeah, it gets a lot harder when you leave that, I think. It does, yeah. Yep. The lack of monetary resources as college students also led to fun stories. So for totally. example, <laughs> you know, I had a car at college, but it was this uh, old beat up 89 Dodge Aries K car and uh, the driver's side door did not actually open. And so for most of our dates, it only uh, opened from the inside, not yeah, from the outside. Yeah, only from the inside. And so <laughs> most of our dates throughout college, she would have to get it on the passenger side and like climb over to let me in. Oh so, my god! Yeah, I had to like lean so over and open the driver's door so he could get in the car. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> Those things build character. I don't know. Yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. Um, so what was your engagement like, or how did you guys get engaged? Uh, how did we get engaged? Uh, the summer before our uh, final year together at college. Um, I uh, I realized I wanted to ask her to marry me, and uh, I managed to uh, talk a local jeweler into selling me a ring. And then uh, this is sort of typical like college guy fashion, I guess. I didn't really have anything like ahead of time planned out, but I suddenly had a free weekend where she was coming in town to visit me because you were living. I was, going, I was in Minnesota with my family, but I was coming down to go to a wedding of a mutual friend of ours. And so I was flying into Kansas City and you were supposed to pick me up at the airport and take me. Yeah. We were going to go to Columbia and um, go to this wedding. Go to the wedding of our friend. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so I think we all, I, I was sitting around with all my guy friends uh, in the house we lived in together. And I think like it just occurred to me like, oh, hey, I'm going to have all my friends in town for this wedding and she's coming in town. And what if I, you know, pop the question this weekend? And so we very quickly with my friends, uh, my, uh, we organized kind of a, an engagement uh, event uh, for when I picked her up at the airport. So yeah, uh, but he, he didn't pick me up at the airport. I didn't pick her up at the airport. Um, so I got to the airport and there was, um, and I was looking for him. He wasn't there. And at the, you know, this was before 9-11 all that. So airports were a lot simpler, but um, he wasn't there where he usually would be. And so, but there was a guy holding- and this was also sign. the era before cell phones. So right. it's not like <laughs> I can just text her and be like, hey, I've changed the plan a little bit. Right, so <laughs> yeah. I get to Kansas City and 
there's a guy holding a sign with my name on it and my maiden name is Cucciarella. So it's not like, there's not You're usually the only one in the airport. <laughs> and I was like, um, that's my name, but I'm pretty sure you've got the wrong name on that card. Cause I don't know who you are or why you'd be here. And he was like, Oh, I, I was told to pick up someone by this name. And I was just like, he was a limo driver. That was, the, he was a limo driver, but I didn't know this. And so I'm like, well, I need to like call somebody. So I went over to the payphone and I realized I have nobody to call because <laughs> Yeah, there's no cell phones. Yeah. Like there's yeah, we're know. just right. What are so you doing? I was just like, well, can you tell me where you're supposed to take me? And he said, No, I'm not supposed to tell you where we're going. Yeah. Um, also you can see totally planned by a bunch of college guys, right? Like, hey, right. here's an idea. Let's just have her get start this whole experience by getting in a car with a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> Every girl sends in you is like, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I mean, That's so funny. I was like, well, let's go out and show me the limo. And it was like an actual limo. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I guess this is probably going to be okay. If it seems bad, I don't, you know, I don't know what I'll do, but I think it's probably legit. And then I get in the car and I, I thought he was maybe going to be in the car, but right. he wasn't, there was nobody else in the car. It was just me on this like 30 minute drive. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I remember sitting there thinking like, I don't know what's going on here, but he better propose, which I had not expected at all that weekend. But um, by this point I was going to be angry if I was riding around in this limo for any other reason. That's fair. Um, yeah. And then, well, eventually we got to some areas of Kansas City that I recognized and I could tell we were going to the plaza, which is kind of this, um, you know, nice shopping and dining area and um, a very nice central part of uh, the plaza is like this park with this really gorgeous fountain and some bronze statues. And, and we'd gone to visit yeah. the that area and like sit by the fountain there when we were, you know, when we were visiting his family in Kansas City. So one of our favorite uh, restaurant spots in Kansas City when we were dating. It was right there on the plaza. And so, yeah, we, oh, cool. so, we had a history there. Um, sure. So we, I realized like that's where we're going. And so I thought, okay, I like, I'm safe. Everything's going to be fine here. And then um, he pulled up to the fountain and one of Conan's roommates opened the door to the limo and he was dressed in a tux. Mm. And I was like, Brian, what are you doing? <laughs> and then um and i still i still i don't think i was really sure what was happening at that point it was just all so so unexpected and then um another one of his roommates was um playing the guitar which also typical college guy thing he had just taught himself how to play the guitar <laughs> so he could only play one song oh and my so gosh. He just so we just played it over and over again yeah yeah, yeah. 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 um it, it happened to be a Shania Twain. So yeah. that's the only thing I remember. Oh uh, yeah. And then, um, and then I saw him there. I was like, and he was, in, they were all in Texas and I was like, okay, this is really happening. And it was just kind of, yeah. well, and the best part was uh, we, uh, you know, me and my roommates, we had started to kind of congregate, at, you know, by the fountain at the plaza. And uh, apparently, you know, it's a big public place. There's lots of people around. And 
uh, this group of uh, older ladies was there for like a, a girl's night out kind of thing. And they realized what was happening. And then they said, well, we want to be a part. And so it, it was uh, weekend right before 4th of July. And they had offered like, why don't we go get some sparklers at the fireworks stand? And oh, they right. like were standing around like the whole thing with like sparklers and waving them. And it was completely spontaneous. not the original plan. And it was just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, wow. Like everybody everybody wants to be part of the story, right? Like you all, I, I understand. Yeah. So it was okay. a long time. Yeah. And 23 years later, you're they're still years part later. of the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Wow. That's a really fun engagement story. Oh my gosh. And then how long after you got engaged did you guys get married? So we got engaged. Um, I think that was July 2nd, July 1st or 2nd, something like that. And then we got married on May 27th. Okay. The following year. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. Almost almost 11 Not months, I guess. Quite the year. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. And then how was your like first year of marriage? Do you remember any like big fights or first, any big difficulties? Year, I always tell couples the first year for us was definitely the hardest year. Um of just we're both very type A. And um, we're, we both have very strong preferences about the right in, way in to do things. In different ways. Like, yeah. it's not just that we're type A, we're type A in different ways. And so mm -hmm. uh, we, we just said, I always tell people, like, we just had to learn how to be roommates first. Yeah. was like yeah. our big, yeah. you know, I, I loaded the dishes wrong. I folded the towels wrong. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> so wrong. One yeah. of our, I think one of our, like, first, um, you know, big disagreements after we were married was we we moved into this two bedroom apartment and we were, he was in grad school. So we stayed in the college town and um, we had a ton of books. And so the idea was that with the second small bedroom, we got a bunch of bookcases at Walmart, this is even before Ikea. Uh, so we got a bunch <laughs> of bookcases, we put them together and we were gonna put all of our books on these bookcases. And we were completely paralyzed because we could not agree on the best system for shelving yeah. our books. Were we going to go alphabetical? Um, were we going to go by category? Like, yeah. it, right. This uh, literally took up multiple days. And like, of our many, many conversations <laughs> with many friends, and our friends were all making, you know, the big issue for us. But it was, uh, for some reason, for both of us, it really, really mattered at the time. Yeah. And if you could see all the shelves the mm -hmm. library we're sitting in right now, it's a complete disaster. <laughs> like, which is now. But at that yeah. time, it was like we were so dead set on it being super organized. And um, yeah. it's, a, it's a very good marriage story, right? Because it's like the classic, like, you know, right? part of what attracted us to about each other is we are both, you know, organized, driven people mm -hmm. like to get things done and, you know, just you know, but you get married and you find out, right? Like your strengths are your weaknesses also, right? And you know, that's that's true for your spouse. And yeah. That sometimes it's the things you really like about them the most that will also annoy you the most, right? <laughs> 100%, oh my God. That be very, very true in our first few years of marriage. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, just, yeah, based on our first, I mean, we haven't even hit a year yet, but definitely I'm like, the things I love about my husband, he's very strong-willed, very determined, um, strong personality, very convicted. And I'm like, man, that is so annoying when 
<laughs> when it comes to household things that I'm like, yeah. I just want it this way because I want it yeah. this way. And he's like, oh, yeah. Why? yeah. Like, oh man, I hate having to explain myself, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's those little things you don't expect to matter. And then eventually they don't, I feel like, but that first year is such a transition that it yeah. is a big transition. And it's, um, I think that the culture, the society makes it, it may, almost makes you feel like you're doing something wrong, that it's mm -hmm. difficult. And I think um, that's the wrong way to go into it. Like, we should have been more prepared for it to be really difficult. And thankfully, the couple that we did marriage mentoring with, um, they we were supposed to do, I think, three sessions with them. And they said, we recommend doing one or two sessions before the wedding, but at least one after the wedding. Oh, and, and we'd be happy to keep that going if you'd like longer. And it was so much more helpful after the wedding because yeah. I think beforehand I didn't see nearly as many faults in either one of us as I did afterwards when we were living together and having to like make all these decisions about how we were going right. to, how we were going to do things. And so it was really great then to be able to talk to a, a couple who'd been married for a long time mm -hmm. and, and find out like, Oh, these are just normal things that every couple has to figure out. And there's nothing right. wrong with you and you should <laughs> feel like discouraged by this. So we're, we try to do that now when we're mentoring couples, tell them let's, save some of our sessions for after the wedding. Um, That's a really good idea. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Wow. Very smart for sure. It definitely doesn't end at the wedding. So, I mean, it makes sense that it would continue, that education would continue yeah. after for sure. Oh my gosh. Um, so, okay. Turning, turning a little bit um, just toward your relationship in general. Um, you said you guys are both pretty type A, but not in the same ways. Would you say like your personalities have grown more complementary over the years or kind of how is your, your dynamic with one another in regards to that? I would say I'm super focused on details mm -hmm. and you are more focused. I'm a big picture, big picture. guy. I'm a okay. Okay. Down, you know, and it, in that sense, it is very complimentary because when we're both kind of in our groove, you know, we have kind of this ability to think about the big picture and what we want for some, you know, I mean, the recent experiences we had with, uh, you know, choosing schools and thinking about just what our overall goals are for a school, but also the ability to kind of zoom down to fine details about, you know, this particular aspect or that particular aspect and, and whether it works or doesn't work. And so, uh, I think that's been one of the best, most helpful parts of our marriage. Yes, um, but it can also be one of the most frustrating parts yeah. in the moment. Because, right. you know, uh, in the moment, it's hard. I think if you're really focused on details, sometimes to see the big picture and uh, I'll just get annoyed that you keep going back to the big yeah. picture. I'm like, no, but look mm -hmm. at this one thing or vice versa. And so it's, yeah. it is both a strength and a source of yeah. frustration depending on the circumstances yeah. i think but overall we, we joke a lot about like you know me me and the plan i always have to have a plan <laughs> again the big picture the roadmap and you know you're like well i just i just want to get the stuff done and look at all this huge to-do list and right again yeah. categories of details and uh you know and, and then vice versa too right like i you know uh, I, I can get stuck on like 
making sure that the plan's in place and then you know eventually you have to actually start addressing the details and so we yeah uh, so i think it is complementary um i think in the it helps us to make better decisions um but it's it's not always fun going through the process yeah i get that for sure yeah. what what about um what about in parenting would you say like did that kind of change how you guys approach things or did you did you adopt that kind of details and big picture combo for for parenting decisions too i think it definitely has played out in parenting also in the sense that like we've you know we, we try to be thoughtful about parenting um you, you know Right. The thing about parenting is it, it kind of happens and then you have the baby and suddenly you're just in this huge, you know, torrent of uh, the chaos of daily life and you nobody's ever prepared for it. Nobody's ever prepared for the big things in life. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's easy for parenting, I think, to just kind of happen and sometimes mm -hmm. that's okay. But, you know, I think that's where sometimes families struggle is because they they don't have the ability to kind of step back and just like what what kind of parents do we want to be what do we want to do in terms of our family culture and our family life together and uh i feel like our personalities and our dynamic has helped with that a little bit and that like we could talk about again big picture things like okay we we want to be uh a family that's serious about reading and education or we want to be fam a family that's serious about uh our faith as catholics mm -hmm. um, and have these big picture goals but also be able to kind of drill those down to like okay well what what does that mean like we're going to be serious about reading like are we gonna you know does that mean like we're never gonna let them play video games does that mean like we're never gonna let them have a phone you know like what what are the what are the specific choices that support your big picture goal and i feel like we've you know made our own set of choices and all of those things and I always feel most like most of our parenting life, not all, but much of our parenting life uh, is not by accident, right? Yeah, we like, try to be like really intentional. To be intentional. We probably overthink most parenting yeah. decisions. That is definitely okay. the opposite. <laughs> we, do, we, we do have a version of the bookshelf argument with parenting also <laughs> on a regular basis, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, around yeah. that level of like, oh yeah, what? Right, so like our, fir our first five children are all boys and so when the boys were you know in that early elementary phase where a lot of boys started playing video games that was like one of our hot button parenting issues that we spent hours and hours probably like reading mm -hmm. books reading blogs talking to older parents um and making i mean just over talking probably to each other the whole <laughs> issue and it was all with the intention of we have to make a decision if, if we're going to do video games in our house or not and we ended up not in that particular situation and so um in some ways it was we we spend a ton of time on the front end but then on the back end it's just our family doesn't do that and if the kids want to talk about it we'll talk about the reasons why but by the fifth boy, he knows. Yeah, it's okay. just so long. Okay, so part of the gig. Yeah. Like, you can yeah. complain about us later when you get out of our house. It's fine. But we tend to kind of be more of the temperaments. I think that we we like to do a lot of research and 
um, get a lot of advice from other parents who we look up to who are further ahead of us. And we've tried to avoid making parenting decisions with our parenting peers mm. because um, I think it sometimes seems like a good idea, but looking back, I think that's been one of the better choices we've made is to not necessarily take advice from the people who are who have children the same age as us, but the people who are a little bit further ahead and who we can look and think we like what we see there, um, right. especially with technology, because it's it's such a rapid, rapidly developing um, thing. And, you know, our oldest son is 20 and our youngest child is two and they, you know, they're different generations. And so yeah. it really is. Um, those aren't decisions in that particular area that we can make once and be done with as a family because uh you know when our 20 year old was two i don't think we even each had a cell phone you know right. it was such they a different world so, so yeah. yeah um and certainly not smartphones like he didn't grow up seeing that like the way the two-year-old will so um yeah. always trying to kind of look ahead and and now that we have older kids it's kind of been fun to ask them do you think we were too strict about this or what do you think about this family rule and um and they'll tell you they'll tell you when yeah. <laughs> they thought what they did was dumb and it's it's yeah. good it's a good exercise and it's been humility and yeah learning. yeah yeah but it's so also it's good to get advice for them about what they think for the younger kids because they they'll often think like well i really wish you guys had done this differently but it worked out well and so we think you should keep doing it for the little kids yeah yeah, so, that's, I don't know if that's in the dynamic in your family, but yeah, exactly. When they tell you something they think was really dumb, but then they also realize it was the best for them, and so they said you should keep doing it, even though I hated yeah. it, right? Yeah, no, it's totally one of those things where I feel like before you have kids or you're thinking about having kids, like you you can't really understand a lot of the things your parents did, and then now that we're like you know, right on the cusp of having our own baby, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be so strict and all all of the things that I harped on my parents for so much. I'm like, thank you guys so much for, for this strong formation you gave me. I actually really appreciate it and it got me to where I am. But when you're in it, it's really hard to see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's really cool that you ask your your kids though about that because I know a lot of parents are just like we did the best we could and we're not going to talk about it. But <laughs> I think that's really I think that's really cool that that you guys are open to the conversation. I I will say also too, you talk about complementary aspects of our personalities and mm -hmm. parenting. One of the fun things we've noticed about being parents, and this was actually completely by accident. We did not plan this by design, but. Uh, <laughs> We have noticed that one of the natural parenting dynamics is good cop, bad cop. Like obviously you're still a team and you're still united and you don't play against each other. But uh, we just noticed that, especially for conflict with individual kids, like there'll be one parent that's kind of the, you know, this is how it's gonna be and you're gonna do it and you gotta give it the program. Mm -hmm. And then there's one more that's like, okay, I'm gonna come beside this child and help them understand what we want. and. Uh, and the really odd thing about that is it is different for each child who is playing which role. And really? so we have, yes, yeah. uh, there are some kids that I'm the good cop for, and there are some kids that I'm the bad cop for. And uh, I, I've been really surprised at, at yeah. how that's played out. And Interesting. And that's been with the boys. I don't know if that'll be the same with, so our youngest two are girls, but they're only seven and two. So I don't know if it'll be the same because it's been more the dynamic as they hit that 
the teenage years right um where it's uh you know bigger issues yeah that we're having to they're more disappointed it's not like no you can't have that toy it's more you yeah. know we're not going to let you go to this event because we don't think it's a good environment yeah. or something like that where we're having to really disappoint somebody um and i think sometimes with the different boys we have like they they need the bad cop to just be really firm but then they also um after getting the ruling that is not in their favor they need the compassionate cop to to come and you know help them adjust their expectations and come to peace with reality yeah no that's so important wow yeah that's that's really really cool to see and interesting that each child is is so different and your dynamic with them is different um this is kind of off of the subject of parenting but what would you say one of your biggest like struggles or challenges has been over over the last 23 years um yeah personal struggles family any any type of thing i think probably it's probably pretty simple it's probably just overcoming personal preferences is the ongoing mm. daily struggle right of um just being better people to each other and to the family i, I think that's probably what i would say has been the most the biggest challenge in marriage it's i, I don't think we've had any huge um issue it's more just that you know the little every day of um you know wanting to be right or wanting things my way um and uh or you know even just in little things but i think that's probably been the biggest challenge um is to die to self a little bit more every day i guess yeah i don't know what would you say yeah, no, along those lines, I feel like that's yeah, it's a it's a great question. It, 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 yeah, and I feel bad because I I also don't have like a big that's okay. like <laughs> one here's one thing that uh yeah I'm struggling with, right? Uh but it's uh, I do feel like for us you know, there is this culture, uh there's this cultural aspect we all live in in the modern world of just um you know, we're all addicted to comfort, right? We're all, uh, there's always an easy way out of whatever problem it is you're faced with on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, sometimes the easy way out is the right way out, but uh, sometimes it's not. And if you don't build up, you know, your muscles for resisting just, again, your basic love of comfort, uh, of, of, of taking whatever seems easiest to them, right? That's why we all struggle to stare at our screens and not, you know, have our eyes on the phone at all times, right? Because it's just so easy. It's just an easy escape from, you know, your day-to-day -day life, right? None of us want to be this way, but we all struggle, you know, and are in that some way. And so, um, you know, and I think it just comes down to, again, like learning to, uh, practice small sacrifices and learning to, you know, do things that are hard and that are difficult. Uh, I, I feel like that's the most challenging aspects of our 
marriage, right? It's easier to like just not talk to each other rather than work something out. It's rather it's easier to just give in to your kids with whatever it is they're annoying you about mm -hmm. than it is to try to stop and help them understand why you, you know you you need something different out of them or or you know or, or put them in time out if they're little or whatever. Like you, you know, those things are difficult and they're hard and you have to build up a certain muscle memory for doing difficult things. And I feel like that's because just culturally you, you always have a way out of doing hard things. You know, sometimes that's, that's the biggest challenge is just learning not to do something because it's, it's the fastest way to solve whatever it is you're, you're, you're annoyed with at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's a really great point. And I think definitely that's why a lot of marriages fail. Um, and especially in our modern, you know, society, like people get tired of something, they don't want to work hard at it and, you know, it crumbles. But mm -hmm. as Catholics, we're making, we're truly making a lifelong commitment and it's every day, no matter what you have to recommit, um, to that other person, despite the bookshelves and, and everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> How would you guys say uh, you prioritize your, I guess, your like friendship and romance with one another, even with seven kids and after so many years together? Um, how does that kind of look like uh, in your marriage? Um, I would say we've always tried to have a regular date night after having kids. It's looked different over the years. Um, like early on, we lived out of state. We didn't have any family around we didn't really have a, a big network. Um, and so we didn't have a lot of babysitters. And mm. so a lot of times it was, uh, we early on um, developed a routine where our little kids went to bed at 6.30 um, wow. and they slept till seven. And that, that was just how it was at our house. And so it was great because we would have at home date night and we'd usually, you know, watch a movie or something and maybe get takeout, but uh, we would, you know, we still had nights where it was like, we're not just going to go about our regular routines and getting the laundry done or whatever, but we're going to intentionally just be together. Um, and then as we had older kids, we've, um, we started training them to babysit by going to, we have a local, we have a Mexican restaurant in our neighborhood mm. and it's, we don't even have to drive there. And so it's like, um, we can test out the babysitting skills by going to this restaurant and, we know that if we need to be home in two minutes time, we can do that. So that was, that's kind of been, um, it's, we've developed all of our babysitters that way <laughs> in our household. And so, um, it, it's been nice to be able to get out and especially having older kids to be able to get out to talk about things that we don't want to talk about in front of them. Usually it's about them. <laughs> um, right. But, um, or some decision we have to make about something they want to do. Um, but, just on a daily basis, we we try to have at least 20 or 30 minutes where we can catch up at the end of each day. And sometimes that's taking a walk. Um, we live in Minnesota, so that sometimes isn't very practical for <laughs> nine months out of the year. Right. So, we, um, But the kids will know, like, if we go in our room and close the door, we're, we're in there to talk and if there's, if we always say, if there's a fire or somebody's bleeding, you can knock on the door. Otherwise <laughs> we'll be out in 20 minutes, but mom, this is mom and dad time. And, um, and yeah. sometimes we'll, I mean, when the kids were younger, 
we would have those conversations in the living room while they'd be cleaning up the kitchen after dinner so we could kind of supervise while we were talking but um but we would tell them that they, we literally say this is mom and dad time you, you are not welcome or part of this conversation i don't know if we would say they're not welcome you sometimes do say that. sometimes <laughs> i would say they're not welcome and yeah. uh you, you know again it helps establish for them the expectation again that like our relationship comes first right and yeah and i are always on the same team and that we you know their needs and priorities while extremely important to us are not the highest value uh for her and I, and you know, in doing that with your children, right? Then you're also doing it, right? You're sending a clear signal to your spouse, to your partner, that you know, you matter to me more than just whatever. Again, kid crisis is happening at the moment, and and kid crises do happen, and they come and they go, and they can wait for 15 minutes for mom and dad to finish talking to each other. And yeah, usually, usually whatever they're fighting about, they've moved on to something yeah. else after 15 minutes anyways. Yeah. In fact, I just heard a two-year-old screaming her head off about three minutes ago, and I notice it's quiet out there now. So <laughs> I'm sure everything went fine. They right? resolved it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it. it's, yeah, uh, that's a great boundary. But, but I do think that's kind of, you know, you talk about having regular date nights, and that's that's a popular answer, I think, for these sorts of things. But, you know, it's... It's not just about like the date night itself like it's the date that matters as much as it is again just the the daily habits just building that routine of like every day you know showing the other person that they matter and that you want to hear about them and their day um and and building up the habits necessary to support that um yeah. you know that's that's how you can get marriages that you know yeah they go for two weeks without ever talking to each other because their life is just this stream of things that happen and they don't have these habits, these kind of secondary habits that support, you know, real connection. And I feel like that's yeah. the thing we've been able to. And we learned early on that I have a much higher need to talk things through than mm. he does. And um, he's an engineer. And so early on, he was like, I would be telling him about something that I was dealing with maybe at work or with my friends. And he would be like, well, why don't you just do this? And I was like, so frustrated because he was just trying to solve the problem yeah but i i wasn't looking for the solution to the problem i was looking to just yeah. be heard and so we i think that was or, that or, was or even or even worse you would tell me about something in the morning and then you would need to talk about it again in the evening and i'd be like well we already talked about this like what why do we need a why do we need <laughs> another yeah, um, that would have actually been one of our biggest um difficulties that those first couple of years of marriage too was just like yeah. understanding how to better communicate with each other and it's just a a learning process i don't there's not like yeah not a manual that anybody can give you but yeah. um i think our marriage got a lot better once i realized that like all these like emotional processing that i just do spinning wheels up here like you need to do those things verbally right and sure. that means another person and usually me and once I realized that just you process these things out here that I process in here, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I was able to be better. Yeah, I think a so. A better husband once I figured yeah. that out. Well, and I, I would just say, I haven't had to say this in many years, but early on, I remember saying, like, I need you to just listen to this and be sympathetic and not be the engineer problem solver today. <laughs> and so I would state yeah. that at the start of a, of yeah. a conversation. And so, yeah. Uh, and then with time, I think we could just tell we didn't need to be so explicit sure yeah that that makes sense i feel i'm the same i'm the same as you angie i'm like 
<laughs> no, we. Ugh, I'm not done talking about this. Um, <laughs> he's very patient with me, but yeah. <laughs> totally get it. Um, what would you say is your like best advice for young couples? Um, just getting married, just getting engaged, kind of, kind of starting out from square one. I my advice is always to really develop your friendship with each other like make that your focus um because i think marriage is so much better when you're good friends yeah completely agree um well i would 100 percent second that so rather than just repeat it uh i would also say like you can't give what you don't have and um if you want to have a strong and thriving marriage, you should, you know, relationship with another person in your marriage, you should also have a strong and thriving relationship with, you know, God who is the source of that marriage. And so the more time you spend cultivating your interior life, it is hard to be friends with God and not friends with your spouse. Um, you know, the more time you spend cultivating your interior life, I, I really do feel like that's yeah, one of the most, key reasons we've had a long and successful marriage. It's not, it's certainly not because I'm a great person with few flaws and not difficult to live with, right? <laughs> the reason we've had a long and successful marriage is because we both have put effort into cultivating our interior life and praying and asking God to make us better people and help us have a better marriage. And yeah. uh, we've, we've done lots of awful things to each other over the years, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we both ask forgiveness from each other and from our Lord. And again, the more you cultivate your interior life, your marriage will, you know, by its very nature grow also. Yeah. I think that's so important. So, so good. Very well put. Um, so with that, um, ending on, the relationship with God, would you guys mind um, leading us in the prayer to Mary, Mother of Ferris Love? Okay. Mary, Mother of Ferris Love, you are the mother of Jesus and our mother. Intercede for us with your son as you did at the wedding at Cana. Pray for us, Ferris Mother, to strengthen and bless our families. Help those called to marriage to find their spouses and teach them to love with a pure and selfless love. Accompany parents in the upbringing and education of their children with unconditional love. Help those who have answered the Father's call to the consecrated life or to the celibacy to be generous and faithful to their vocations. Bring peace, unity, and joy to the homes of the families that are broken or burdened. Accompany with the warmth of your presence those who are alone. You are the Mater Pulchre de Lexonius, the mother of beautiful love. Help us to love as Jesus loves, so that we may show each other love with full mercy and forgiveness. May our love and affections be always faithful, pure, and chaste. Dear Mother, be our refuge in our material and spiritual needs, and intercede especially for all of our children and for all the families who are listening to this podcast. May we grow in love and come to know true peace and joy now and in the life to come in heaven. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of After Kena. If you enjoyed listening, share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.